Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening right here on the Intel Hub News Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. Today is Tuesday, December 21st, 2010, the winter solstice. My website, whatonearthishappening.com, the network's website, theintelhubnewsnetwork.com. We have a good show lined up for you here today. We're going to be continuing our talk on astrotheology, religion as astrotheology, and indeed religion as one of the 14 methodologies of mind control that we'll be covering on this show. Before we do that, I want to give the call-in numbers, and I have a few event announcements. If you want to call into the show at any time, feel free. No taboo topics ever on this show. You have your choice of two call-in numbers. You can call the TalkShoe Network at 724-444-7444. Once again, 724-444-7444. If you call that number, the call ID number that you will be prompted for is 83515. Once again, the call ID number for what on earth is happening, 83515. You can also call the Blog Talk Network. That's 646 727 3387. Once again, 646-727-3387. I have a few event announcements that are uh, for events that are coming up in the Philadelphia area. We are doing a third fundraiser for the Free Your Mind Conference, which is coming up in April. Uh, Some kind of bad news about that regarding uh, the ability to raise funding. I'll get into that in just a moment. But um, We are going to host a third fundraiser. This was arranged um, before uh, we kind of uh, started to recognize that we're having some issues as far as uh, monetary concerns go and bringing people in from out of town. But uh, we had previously booked this um, fundraiser with Germ Books and Gallery, a great bookstore in the uh, Fishtown section of of, uh, Philadelphia. So... This event is going to be Sunday, January 16th, 2011, at 2 o'clock p.m. at Germ Books and Gallery. Germ Books is at 2005 Frankfurt Avenue. 
2005 Frankfurt Avenue in Philadelphia. The admission for this event is $10. All proceeds will, will go to the Free Your Mind Conference. There will also be um, a uh, donation made by uh, Dave, the proprietor of Germ Books, of 20% for uh, any book that is sold uh, during the fundraiser, I think that uh, toward the Free Your Mind Conference. I think that was very uh, kind of uh, Dave to offer that as part of this event. The uh, Free Your Mind Conference fundraiser number three, Saturday, January 16, 2011 at 2 p.m. at Jerem Books. This is going to feature two very special, one-of-a-kind presentations, one-time only presentations. I will be giving a lecture, uh, a presentation and lecture entitled, Everything I Needed to Know in Life I Learned by Watching the Wizard of Oz. This will be an exploration of the the esoteric occult symbolism contained in the perennial classic movie, The Wizard of Oz, uh, patterned after the book, of course, by Al Frank Baum. Also, Michael Austin Melton, a co-host of the Free Your Mind Conference. He is also um, a field investigator for Pennsylvania Mutual UFO Network. He will be giving a presentation entitled The History of Mind Control in America, the history of mind control in America. So I'll read you a little um, uh, paragraph, couple paragraph, um, uh, I guess you could say update that I gave on the Free Your Mind website and also on my site about how we've been encountering problems with the fundraising effort for the conference. Uh, the, the goals of this conference I don't think were too uh, out there. Um, to raise about you know $9,000 to host this event isn't an extravagant amount of money uh, compared to what some people spend on other endeavors. But, um, you know, none of us uh, who are hosting the conference are rich per se. And, uh, you know, we've hosted many fundraisers over the last couple months and uh, made a lot of pleas for help through our own mailing lists and websites. And there's been very, very little response. So unfortunately, due to the lack of funds, and poor advanced ticket sales so far for the conference, we currently lack the ability to provide the travel expenses for many of the speakers who we were planning to bring in from outside of the Philadelphia area. Unless this situation changes, the Free Your Mind Conference will likely have to be scaled back significantly, maybe to a single day instead of two days. I cannot even find the words to express how sad and disappointed I am about this. In a city of millions of people who regularly spend a lot of money on entertainment of all kinds, we could not raise $7,000 over a, a six-month period for an educational effort that is directly related to whether or not we will live as free beings on this planet in our near future. It really displays where our priorities as a species lie, and at least for me, it paints a clear picture of what the future holds in store for humanity. So I said, uh, you know, as part of the announcement for this fundraiser, with that having been said, in any event, Michael Melton and I will be giving these unique one-time only presentations on January 16th. And regardless of what happens with the Free Your Mind Conference, it should be a great day at Germ Books. And I guarantee that if you come out to this event, you will learn a lot. So that was my... Uh, you know, update, and I guess you could say plea to the people of the uh, the surrounding area or wherever they may be to support the efforts of this conference. Um, but, you know, sadly, I just feel, to be quite honest with the listening audience, uh, 
that uh, most people do not really understand what is going on around them. They don't understand mind control. They don't think it's a problem. Um, they think the problems are all simply political and, and social. Um, and it's so much deeper than that. I, you know, I can't even express how much deeper than that it is. If you listen to the show, you could you know, kind of get an idea of how, how much deeper the problem really goes. But there are so few people that really understand those dynamics that it's, um, it is a paltry few who do get it. It's not a matter of who, uh, who, isn't under mind con- who is under mind control. It's a matter of who isn't under mind control, as I've said many times. And uh, very, very few people understand the, uh, the psychological manipulations that are really taking place uh, and are being wielded as a weapon against our species, sadly because they are under those manipulations and uh you know you can't get somebody who's hypnotized to you know be able to see what the hypnotist is doing to them unfortunately they need to come out of the hypnosis to do that so it's kind of like a catch-22 and the only thing that really will provide that is uh willpower strength of will looking at the truth objectively without any emotional attachment to it and deciding to go wherever that path and that journey leads and uh, sadly, you know, I, 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 it's come to a point where I feel that um, there are so few who are willing to do that that um, uh, there, there's, there's very little chance of anybody really understanding the deeper dynamics of what's going on. That, that being said, I'm still not going to stop doing what I'm doing. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. Because if you see people going over a cliff and they don't know they're going over a cliff, you warn them until they actually go over the cliff. You know, if they don't want to listen and they don't want to pull back, you know, the, my responsibility was, was taken care of and I did what I was charged to do. And that's the way I look at this. So does that mean I'm going to give up? No, I'm not going to give up uh, speaking the truth and t- telling people about what's really going on, uh, which I do understand. I do n- know what is actually taking place as far as the methods of mind control. I try to do my best to expose them and uh, talk about them in a clear and understandable way here on this show. But you can't actually make people listen. If they want to get hurt, they want to get hurt. And uh, nothing short of their suffering and the immensity of suffering that they're going to need to go through is going to awaken them. So good luck because, um, um, you know, the path that most people are on can't lead to anything except suffering and chaos. And it, it appears that that's what they want and that is what they shall have. So, you know, with that having been said, I'll move on to the uh, next event announcement. Saturday, January 22nd, Truth, Freedom, Prosperity will be hosting a networking social at Liberty's Pub on the second floor at 2nd and Fairmount Streets in Philadelphia. This will also kind of uh, double as another Free Your Mind fundraiser. They're going to be making some of the leadership at at, uh, Truth, Freedom, Prosperity is going to be making a plea to some of their membership to contribute to the Free Your Mind uh, conference effort. Um, Do I think that will be um, successful? Uh, To be honest, I don't really think enough people uh, understand, as I've said, what's really going on as far as mind control is concerned. You don't hear them bringing this up uh, in other events. You you see a a small core group of people that do understand it and grasp it, but it's a tiny amount in comparison to the numbers of, of people that do even belong to these activist groups. And while this is one of the best activist groups in the area, 
many of their, uh, I'd say the majority, the majority of their membership do not really grasp the dynamic, again, about the human psyche, the occult. You know, they, they, don't, they don't think there's anything occult happening. They don't believe in the occult. They don't believe in mind control, period. You know, they, again, a lot of them think it's all political, uh, financial motivations that have, lo- to, that have largely to do with greed. And they don't understand that this is about the human soul is what this is about, folks. This is about the human soul. Let's make no mistake about it, okay? Let's put it right out on the table in very clear and easy to understand terms that mince no words. This is about the human soul. And the problem with most people is they don't believe in the human soul. They think that this is a you know, uh, biological machinery is what we are. And they think the only thing that's motivating the factors that are going on that we don't like is greed. Well, it's about so much far beyond that, okay? That's one of the symptoms. That's not the root thing that's going on. That's not the root factor, okay? That's, that's one of the, the vehicles for this control. Because ultimately what's about, what it's about is owning your soul, okay? Now, there it is said right out in the open. And that takes place through the control of the human mind. That's how that takes place. And you know what? They largely got just about everybody on this world. Just about everyone. The, the people that, that are, are even fighting these people. All right? I'm going to take, I'm gonna take a, a, a segue from this because if you can't tell, I'm a little bit frustrated. And if you can't tell, you know, that, that things aren't exactly really going well. And it's not just because of the conference. It's just the general dynamic, the general overwhelming um, uh, general feeling. I mean, the, the last con- conference fundraiser we did, there was hardly anybody there because you can't even do anything in the month of December. People are under such mind control with the holiday season which we're going to talk about tonight, okay? We're going to talk about the death and rebirth of the sun, all right? The death and birth of the sun. We're at the death day of the sun, folks. Did, did you know that? Today is the, the sun's death day, okay? And it's all about the Christian religion, and it's all about how the, 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 the Christ, the people actually worship in the Christian religion, in the modern Christian religion anyway, is the actual sun in the heavens. They've convinced people to actually worship the sun, believe it or not. Okay? And there's Christians who will doubt this and will insist that that isn't the case. And they're worshiping a story. And, and we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks, but I'm going to really lay it out today. I'm going to go through the story of the Zodiac. I began doing that last week, but we didn't really get a chance to finish that, um, I'm going to uh, recap that and go through, go through that uh, whole basic uh, process again of how the uh, sun journeys through the zodiac, and indeed that is the story of Christianity that people have been uh, deluded into worshiping. So um, we'll do that coming up, but uh, you, know, you, can't, you can't even do anything in the month of December anymore. It's a wash. You know, because it's so close to uh, this Christmas holiday that people uh, trample themselves over to get to cheap goods manufactured, uh, you know, in third world countries, um, you know, to give to people that they couldn't give a damn about for the rest of the year because they're hypocrites 
and you know they think that they give somebody a gift and that means uh you know that that they're a good person or something you know and they do this all by rote and it's all mind control it's all it is it's all the whole holiday is and because of that you can't even plan anything for the for this whole month in general people don't can't do anything everything centers around the whole the whole frenzy of christmas shopping and and uh you know getting ready for this uh you know couple of days that you spend with people that you don't even really want to be around and can't be honest enough to admit that not only to them but to yourself now i i don't participate in the christmas holidays folks and it's it, nothing it has been taken away from me that i miss in any way because my family is completely unconscious and they want their suffering just like other people most other people do there's hardly anybody in this family that that is conscious or active there's a couple of people that grasp it to a very minor extent and they do nothing with that knowledge or next to nothing with it okay so you know i don't spend my time around people like that they may be blood related to me but they're not of my heart so you know I'm not attached to that, and I'm not going to, uh, you know, go around pretending like I want to be around people that I don't really want to be around. So, I mean, you know, just call that callous or harsh, but that's how it is. You know, I, I spend time with people who are really trying to help people truly in the world and do the right thing. That's who I prefer to spend my time around. And I've given up my life to do this, given it up given up all the desires I had of what I wanted to do or accomplish with my personal being, with my personal existence here on earth, to do this. That's, and that's all I do. That, that's, you know, aside from the point, the main point of that the mind control of the Christmas season is so strong that you can't even compete with it by even scheduling an event even remotely around it. So... Hopefully, you know, I, I figure I'll give it one more month in the month of January to see if we get any kind of a response. And if anybody is really interested in this, maybe once the mind control of these ridiculous holiday season, the holy days are over and people actually, you know, then come back to the real world instead of this, this days that they go around with during the season and that exists nowhere except in their own minds. Uh, it's the same day as any other day of the year, folks. You know, there's nothing different or special about it. You want to treat people well and you want to have a spirit of uh, brotherly and sisterly love, do it throughout the entire year, 365 days a year. Try that instead of uh, believing there's something special about the season that surrounds the sun, uh, the time of year that the sun uh, goes down to the, uh, you know, the Tropic of Capricorn, okay? Because there's nothing special about it other than it gets cold. So, anyway, going back to this uh, second fundraiser uh, event in January, January 22nd, Liberties, 2nd and Fairmount Street. This is hosted by Truth, Freedom, Prosperity, and uh, it will kind of double as another fundraiser event. Again, they'll be making an appeal for people to help out with the conference. Um, for more info on uh, this group, go to truthfreedomprosperity.org. And then finally, the Free Your Mind Conference itself, uh, a conference on consciousness, mind control, and the occult set for April 9th and April 10th, 2011, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. on both days. This is at Ruba Hall, 414 Green Street in Philadelphia. 
The admission price is $20 per day in advance, $30 per day at the door. Confirmed speakers, Aaron McCollum, Alfred Weber, Andrew Vasiago, Bob Tuscan, Farid Yardozu, Jan Irvin, John Nicholson, Larkin Rose, Laura Eisenhower, Mark Matika, Mark Passio, Mel Fabregas, Michael Kelly, and Suzanne Taylor. Um, now, as far as I'm concerned, I, I, don't, I can't really guarantee every one of those speakers will be there now because of you know the, the poor response with donations and uh, ticket sales. So, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll try to bring in as many people as humanly possible. But uh, unless people step up and want this event, it doesn't happen on its own. And that's all I'll really say about it. So let's jump into the show. What I want to do before we do that is I want to um, make a correction to something that I uh, said inadvertently last week. I was talking about a dominator who had died and was repenting about a war he was instrumental in on his deathbed, and I incorrectly said that that was uh, Holdren, John Holdren. And uh, John Holdren is not the person who died uh, in the middle of last week, or early last week, I should say. It was Richard Holbrook, Holbrook. I got the names uh, mixed up in my head. I did not actually have the article that I was reading in front of me, and, uh, you know, the last names are similar so I apologize for that. John Holdren is the science czar to Barack Obama. Richard Holbrook was a special emissary to Af uh, Afghanistan. And, um, uh, you know, uh, you can see the names. The last names begin with the same three letters. So I got a little bit confused there, and I apologize for that. Uh, John Holdren is alive and well, folks. It was Richard Holbrook, Richard Holbrook who died and was the uh, globalist who kind of repented uh, on his deathbed about the, uh, the war in Afghanistan. So uh, I apologize for that mistake, and uh, there's the uh, retraction. So um, I hear the uh, intro music for the first break playing. When we come back, we're going to jump right back into the story of astrotheology when it comes to Zodiac and the Christmas season. I'm Mark Passio. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back. A very wealthy U.S. citizen is predicting that in 2011, we will witness the most important day in America in more than 50 years. He says it will change everything about our lives. The way you shop, travel, invest, educate your children, and even how you take care of your health and family. Now this man has made some outrageous predictions over the years, but the crazy part is he's usually right. You see, he predicted the collapse of GM, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and America's biggest mall owner, General Growth Properties, a few years ago. In fact, Baronis called his work a dire prophecy. Now, this has nothing to do with the stock market, but it could have a huge impact on almost every aspect of your life. And recently, he created a video, which you can watch online for free, detailing his biggest and most important prediction yet. And it's a real eye-opener. I can't stress this enough. You should at least watch this free video online today. He explains everything you need to know, including simple steps you can take to protect yourself. You can find the video at www endofamerica8.com. Although this video may be offensive to some audiences, it's worth checking out. Again, that's www.endofamerica8.com. Watch this free video at www.endofamerica8.com. 
Are you still paying your credit cards and so-called bank loans thinking that you owe the money? Do you feel like it's your moral obligation but can't see an end in sight? Well, what if I told you that in truth, you don't owe a single penny and that the banks know this and hope you don't find out? Here's where we come in. Free2Prosper.com specializes in a profound debt repudiation method which challenges the validity of your so-called debts, morally frees you from the burdens, and protects your property. Our system is often superior to settlement, bankruptcy, or consolidation, which often leave you in a worse situation. If you feel the moral obligation to take care of yourself and your family, then I urge you to consider taking action right now. The economy will not wait. If you want to know more so you can prosper through the economic collapse, all while staying honorable and true to yourself, then call 877-417-8393. That's 877-417-8393. Or visit free2prosper.com right now. In a world where corrupt oppressors and all migrants have seized control of the population, total tyranny is amongst us. The burden of humanity rests on our shoulders. The only way out is to expose the global crime syndicate known as the New World Order. Together, we are all one. Together, we are Intel soldiers. The battle for free humanity ensues. Join us in the fight. The Intel Hub.com. All right, folks, we're back on What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio, the website, whatonearthishappening.com. Last week, we left off talking about the story of the sun as it progresses through the houses of the zodiac and how this is actually a uh, reference to the modern-day religion of Christianity. Christianity is actually borrowing from uh, this ancient story of the, uh, the zodiacal trek of the sun, and it is incorporating that into its um, biblical uh, allegories. And most people don't see this and they don't understand that, in fact, what they're really worshiping is the story of the sun. Not the sun, S-O-N, but the sun, S-U-N. And we started this story, but I'm going to recap it this week to do it all in one shot. You know, um, I often say you can, uh, you know, help people to really instill something in their mind by repeating it again. So, uh, you know, I didn't really get a chance to finish this last week, but I'm going to pick it up from the beginning. Now, what I want to do is direct people toward my website. And if you go to the podcast tab, the podcasts tab on the website, so at whatonearthishappening.com, you go there and then you click the tab up at the top that says podcasts. The most recent podcast posted on the page is show number 38. That was last week's show. 
If you click image under the related images, if you click image number 16, you will see an image of the zodiac with um, the cross as the ancients quartered the zodiac by placing this cross over top of it, an equal armed cross, okay? And then upon that cross, they would place the sun and then proceed to basically tell the story of how the sun proceeds through the constellations of the zodiac. And we started doing this last week. I'm going to pick it up and we'll talk about the spring equinox, okay? So this is the time of the year when the angle that the Earth makes with respect to its plane of orbit around the sun, okay? The sun striking the Earth, the sunlight striking the Earth, okay, is at basically a zero-degree angle with respect to the Earth's equator, okay? So the Earth is tilted with respect to the sun at a 23.5-degree angle, as the Earth goes around the Sun, this makes the arc of the Sun, as it rises and sets in the sky, okay, go upwards and then downwards. And it keeps doing this through the course of an entire year cycle. It, it will rise up to the, its highest point at the summer solstice, then go back to zero at the autumn equinox and go all the way down to 23.5 south with respect to uh, 23.5 degrees south with respect to the equator at the winter solstice. That's where we're at now. We'll get to that in a moment. But if you picture the sun at the spring equinox, okay, it is at the dividing line in between the constellations Pisces and Aries in this sim symbolic image that I, I'm directing people toward to make this uh, explanation easier to grasp by looking at an image. Okay, so you look at the line that divides Pisces and Aries, Aries being the first house of the sidereal zodiac, all right? The spring equinox is at that dividing line. This means that, this, that the Earth receives equal, uh, the, the Earth receives sunlight at a zero degree angle with respect to its equator. The, the sun is actually striking the Earth basically equally. It's not... In the northern hemisphere, it's not in the southern hemisphere. So there is an equal amount of day and night because the Earth spins on its, on its axis, and th that axis of rotation is actually completely perpendicular to the angle at which the sun is striking the Earth. Therefore, the northern hemisphere doesn't receive more sunlight, and the southern hemisphere doesn't receive more sunlight. They re receive the same amount at this day called the equinox, Okay. That's what equinox means, equal night, equal night, e same amount of light and darkness, all right? Now, the sun rises into the northern hemisphere, begins its journey, okay, from the equator upward into the northern hemisphere as the year progresses. As the year progresses, the sun can be seen during di uh, in front of different zodiacal constellations as the year goes on. So it starts in Aries, and then in this season where it is gaining strength because it is starting to move northward. So we're, we're looking at this all from the perspective of those living in the northern hemisphere, and there's a reason for that. The religious traditions come from the northern hemisphere. Most of the people of this planet live in the northern hemisphere. 
I think it's a 70-30 split, if I'm not mistaken, approximately, of the population that lives in the northern hemisphere compared to the southern hemisphere. Okay? So, the northern hemisphere is what we're considering the spring season during this time of the year when the sun is in Aries. All right? It, it is coming farther northward. Therefore, it is gaining in its strength. So when it hits the constellation of Taurus, the ancients would say that the sun had become a bull in its charge. It was gaining strength. It was coming on strong, okay, like a bull. Now, the word bull is used in finance, bull markets, when, when stocks are going up, okay, because this is the sp midpoint of spring. It's the defining constellation for spring, Taurus, the bull. This is the most important occultic holiday of the year occurs during the midpoint of this constellation, Taurus, May 1st, Valpurgis Noct, St. Valpurgis's Night, it is known as. It is also called Beltane, okay? May Day, May 1st. Now, the symbolism, May is the fifth month of the year, and it's the first day that this is celebrated on. So 5-1, and there's a lot of symbolism surrounding the number 51. Of course, there is the, the, the covert base at Groom Lake called Area 51. Okay? There is PDD, or Presidential Decision Directive 51, which is concerned with martial law. May Day is a distress call. Okay? The, the spring fertility rites are celebrated during the May season, okay, specifically May 1st. That's what this was in the pagan, ancient pagan year, fertility rites. Often a sacrifice, we'll talk about the season of sacrifice soon, not just yet, but the, the sacrifice was often made to the earth and to the sun to ensure a bountiful harvest because this is, this is planting season. You plant during this time, Okay. You actually plant earlier than this. You plant in uh, the beginning of spring, but this is the time when you're really trying to um, make sure that you're going to get a harvest that is going to sustain you through the, the winter months because the harvest would come in, during the, the later part of the summer season. But if the crops aren't thriving here, it's, uh, it's uh, very unlikely that you're going to um, be sustained throughout the uh, harsh winter that lies ahead during the basically five to six months when things grow poorly or not at all. Okay, so the midpoint of spring, Valpurgisnacht or Beltane, this is considered a very high holiday in the pagan occult year. Okay? The highest, actually. So let's move on past the spring season. The, the, the sun then would progress past Gemini, the twins. And then it would reach the summer solstice, the highest point that it's going to go in the northern hemisphere. It would be at the Tropic of Cancer on the Earth, 
which is at 23 and a half degrees northern latitude, because this is where the sun, the angle that the sun is striking the earth is at during this time of the year. It's the highest point it's going to go, 23.5 degrees north latitude in relation to the equator. Okay? So it's the highest arc of the sun that it makes as it, um, as it, the sun goes across the sky from east to west. This is the highest arc that it makes during the year. It's the longest day of the year, therefore, in the northern hemisphere. Okay? It passes through Cancer, the crab, and then it arrives at Leo the lion, at the midpoint of summer. So the sun has become a roaring lion with a huge mane representing the rays of the sun at its full strength during this time of the year. And the midpoint of this season happens at the, at the midpoint of Leo. Okay, This is August 1st. This is called Lamas Day or Midsummer. Okay, So this is a, a secondary Sabbath or holy day in the occult year, or pagan year. The solar cult year is what we're really talking about here when it comes to astrotheology. Okay? Now we're going to enter the time of the year when the Christian symbolism becomes apparent, because after Leo, we enter the house of Virgo the Virgin. And as I said, the ancients depicted when the sun would rise at the spring equinox between Virgo and Leo, because the, the, the season's... Uh, these, the equinoxes precess backwards through the zodiac. So if we went backward in time, around 10,000 or so odd years ago, the spring equinox would have occurred between Leo and Virgo. Okay? So this is depicted symbolically in the Sphinx. The, the beginning of their sidereal year was Virgo, depicted as the head of the Sphinx, Virgo, the Virgin. And then the body of the Sphinx is the tail end of the year, which is Leo the Lion. Okay, so that's a zodiac in stone that is on the Giza Plateau facing east toward the rising sun at the equinox. Virgo the Virgin, the birth giver of the sun. See, she would give birth to the sun. That was the beginning of the zodiac beginning of the spring equinox when the sun would be given birth and be born into the northern hemisphere you have to look at look at this symbol as the the vertical line that goes from i'm sorry the horizontal line that goes from equinox to equinox the horizontal arm of the cross of these solstices and equinoxes as being the dividing point between the when the sun is in the northern hemisphere and when the sun is in the southern hemisphere so the arch at the top from Aries to Virgo, okay, Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo, okay, is considered the favorable season, the favored season of the year. The sun is in the northern hemisphere. It's when crops thrive. It's when there's warm weather. Life in general thrives in the northern hemisphere. The dark season, okay, or the misfortunate season, however you want to look at it, they had many words for it, would be the seasons, the, the, the uh, times of the year below that horizontal arm of that cross. Okay, so the bottom arc going from Libra to Pisces, Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces, 
This is the dark season of the year. In the ancient world, they really only considered two seasons. The time when the sun was in the northern hemisphere and the time when it was in the southern hemisphere. That was it. They didn't really consider that there were four seasons like we do. They considered a temperate or warm time of the year and then a cold time of the year, an extreme time of the year, a dark time of the year. Okay? In general. So... That is not to say they weren't aware of the um, you know, times that the sun is at its peak and, and lowest point, as we're going to talk about, particularly the low point, because that is today. And then I didn't plan this like this. Uh, you know, people may think I planned to talk about this concept on the winter solstice. I did not. It just worked out like that. Uh, that's how synchromysticism works. And uh, you know, this just happens to be the, the show that I uh, came up to at this time of the year, and uh, you know, it happens to be the very topic we're talking about on the equinox itself. Uh, I'm sorry, on the solstice itself, the winter solstice. So when the, when the sun is in Virgo, okay, it is approaching a place in the, uh, in the sky when it is getting ready to go near the southern hemisphere. It's going into the southern hemisphere, dropping below the equator point, and there is a constellation in the southern hemisphere known as Crooks. Well, if you look at Virgo, okay, and then you go below the constellation Virgo. There's a constellation there called Crux, C-R-U-X. This is the word for cross in Latin. The ancients would say that this time of the year, the sun had been placed upon the cross of Crux, Southern Cross. There's the intro music for uh, this next break. We'll continue to talk about astrotheology related to the uh, solar cycle. We'll come back. I'm your host, Mark Cassio, but this is what Are you still paying your credit cards and so-called bank loans thinking that you owe the money? Do you feel like it's your moral obligation but can't see an end in sight? Well, what if I told you that in truth, you don't owe a single penny and that the banks know this and hope you don't find out? Here's where we come in. Free2Prosper.com specializes in a profound debt repudiation method which challenges the validity of your so-called debts, morally frees you from the burdens, and protects your property. Our system is often superior to settlement, bankruptcy, or consolidation, which often leave you in a worse situation. If you feel the moral obligation to take care of yourself and your family, then I urge you to consider taking action right now. The economy will not wait. If you want to know more so you can prosper through the economic collapse, all while staying honorable and true to yourself, then call 877-417-8393. That's 877-417-8393. Or visit free2prosper.com right now. Hey, it's me, Shepard, the host of the Intel Hub. Check out my live show every Sunday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can check it out from my website, theintelhubradio.com. Join me, Joe Joseph, John King, and A.C. Griffith, Thursdays and Sunday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern for Freedom Link Radio on the Intel Hub News Network. A very wealthy U.S. citizen is predicting that in 2011, we will witness the most important day in America in more than 50 years. 
He says it will change everything about our lives. The way you shop, travel, invest, educate your children, and even how you take care of your health and family. Now this man has made some outrageous predictions over the years, but the crazy part is he's usually right. You see, he predicted the collapse of GM, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and America's biggest mall owner, General Growth Properties, a few years ago. In fact, Baronis called his work a dire prophecy. Now, this has nothing to do with the stock market, but it could have a huge impact on every aspect of your life. And recently, he created a video, which you can watch online for free, detailing his biggest and most important prediction yet. And it's a real eye-opener. I can't stress this enough. You should at least watch this free video online today. He explains everything you need to know, including simple steps you can take to protect yourself. You can find the video at www endofamerica8.com. Although this video may be offensive to some audiences, it's worth checking out. Again, that's www.endofamerica8.com. Watch this free video at www.endofamerica8.com. You are listening to the Intel Hub News Network. Crushing the world order piece by piece. Okay, everybody, we're back on What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. We are talking about the solar cycle as the sun goes through the 12 houses of the zodiac and how this relates to Christianity. And we're going to get to that uh, in a moment. Uh, We're going to really start to see how this relates to the story of Jesus. And... um, we're, we're beginning that process right now because I was describing what happens when the sun begins its uh, trek into the southern hemisphere. This is the beginning of the season that we call fall because the sun is beginning to lose its strength. It is now not only at the uh, midpoint of um, its power, but it is now waning in strength or dying. Okay, so it is said in the ancient world that the sun was put upon the cross during this time of the year. So it began its suffering and its descent, okay? It, it, it is said to be on the cross because it is above the constellation Crooks in the southern sky during this time of the year, okay? If we look at the constellation of Virgo, the Virgin, we can see that Below that, in the southern hemisphere, is a constellation called Crooks. If you look at image 17 on podcast number 38 that I posted last week, you'll see an image of Crooks, the southern cross constellation. Okay, so the sun is said to be placed upon this cross at this time of the year, the autumn equinox. That's September the 21st. Okay? Again, this is a time of the year that the angle that the sun's rays strike the earth with are basically at a zero degree angle with respect to the equator of the earth. So, it is again equal amounts of sunlight 
in the northern and southern hemisphere. All right? So that's called an equinox, and this is the autumn equinox because the sun is now entering, beginning to enter the southern hemisphere, and it is losing strength. Okay? So it passes through the house of Libra, and then it passes through Scorpio. Scorpio the scorpion is the time of year when the sun is really beginning to lose strength because it is said to have been stung by the venom of the scorpion. Okay, so this is the midpoint of the fall season or autumn. And this time of the year, the, uh, the midpoint of Scorpio is another Sabbath, and it is called Sowen or Hollow Mass or Halloween. Okay, so uh, this is another one of the four main Sabbaths of the solar cult year, the pagan or occult year in general. After the sun passes through Scorpio, it enters Sagittarius, which is essentially where it is at now, okay? And when it, be, when it comes to the dividing line between Sagittarius and Capricorn, it is now at the lowest point that it is going to go during its course of the year. It's at its lowest point of power and strength. It is at 23.5 degrees south latitude with respect to the equator of the Earth. 23.5 degrees south latitude is the angle at which it strikes the southern hemisphere. So the sun is completely as low as it's going to go in the southern hemisphere, and its arc in the northern hemisphere is the lowest. Therefore, this is the shortest day of the year, and that's today, folks, the winter solstice. Now, the winter solstice happens on December 21st or 22nd. Okay, when it happens on the 22nd, it is visually to the naked eye. Actually, regardless of when it happens, visually to the naked eye, it appears not to move the arc of the sun with respect to its position in the sky appears to stay stationary for a course of three days. Okay, so this was said to be the time period of death for the sun. And if you look at uh, slide number 18 on this um, series of images, if you're following along on the website, hopefully uh, people can go up and get some of these images because I think they make this pretty clear. Um, this is the time of the year that the sun is said to have died upon the cross of the zodiac. Okay? It is on the, the bottom arm of the, the vertical arm of this cross, which represents the solstices. So the winter solstices, the winter solstice is the bottom arm of this cross, this equal armed cross that quarters the zodiac. And this represents the time of the year that the sun is at its lowest point of power. It is at the lowest place in the southern hemisphere. It is said to, it is said to be, have died upon the cross upon which it was hung three zodiac houses earlier. Okay, so we saw at the autumn equinox, the sun is placed upon the cross of crooks. And then at the winter solstice, it dies upon the cross of the zodiac itself. So the cross symbolism is repeated, and the death upon the cross symbolism comes forward here. So this is the death day of the sun, December 21st, 22nd. Visually, to the naked eye, the arc of the sun and its progress southward, halt, it stops 
and you can't see it making any noticeable change to the naked eye. Three days later, you can begin to notice to the naked eye the visual position of the sun, the, cha the change in the position of the sun visually, okay? And it begins to move back northward because, of course, it is simply now the, the position of the earth is changing with relation to the sun, and now the sun's angle slowly starts to come back northward toward the northern hemisphere again. So the days start to get longer again during this time of the year. The winter season, they slowly get longer. Okay? The first day of winter is the shortest day of the year. The winter solstice, that's today. Three days later, okay, we see this symbolism in Christianity. Three days later, okay, the sun is born again because it is said to be moving northward again. It is seen to be moving northward again. So it's, it's not dead anymore. It's not still anymore. The sol solstice, the still sun, solstice means the still sun. Okay? Our name, the scientific name for the sun is sol, sol one. It represents the soul. Okay? The light within us, the life within us because it is the life-giving force and if it does not come back into the, the, the rise up above the horizon life doesn't continue on the earth if it doesn't you know rise back up into the northern hemisphere life doesn't continue within in the northern hemisphere because nothing would grow okay we are dependent upon the sun for life it is the life bringer it brings light warmth energy heat ability to grow food etc no life exists without the sun. And, of, yeah, that's an allegory, too. You know, again, I said before, uh, understand the esoteric components of this. Don't just look at the astrotheology either. That's just the cover story. Believing in the astrotheology is the most ridiculous thing that you could possibly do because you're buying a, an actual cover story that's been put there by dark occultists for you to believe in so that you don't understand the esoteric tradition that underlies it. You know, do I think the words of Jesus, the, people, uh, the, the being people called the Christ, are worth living by? Absolutely. I strive to do that every day. Extreme power can be found in the teachings that, that this master put forward. However, if you believe the actual cover story about the religion about the religion about Christ that uh, the um, dominators are putting forward, it's mind control. You know, you think about what um, a being like that would do during these times. Well, he would challenge the status quo. He wouldn't go along with this deception. He wouldn't go along with this corruption. And he would tell people the only way, and he really only gave, I mean, the words attributed to Jesus, whether you believe he existed as a physical being or not, you know, I, I'm up in the air over that because there's not a lot of historical evidence to support that. However, there's no way a religion gets as popular as it does without at least a teacher teaching this stuff. You know, and I mean the core mystery tradition that underlies Christianity and the Gnostic tradition. Okay? There may have been a group of teachers. Who knows? And who cares? Does it matter? What matters is the actual mystery tradition that underlies the words that are attributed to, to that person, whether he existed or not in physical form. 
okay, whether it's just a story, that there is wisdom in the words if we pay attention and live by them. Okay, and that doesn't, I wouldn't say that I'm Christian as far as a religion goes, but I think that my life, I attempt to align my life with the embodiment of the esoteric aspects of the Christian teachings, is what I will say. Okay? I don't consider that I have a religion. I have a spiritual philosophy by which I live my life, and I think I try to align that well to the golden rule that was taught by who, who people claim is Jesus. Okay? Yeshua, Yehoshua, whatever you want to believe that his name was. Now, the point I'm trying to make here is get past the, the exoteric okay, explanation of the religion and even get past the astrotheology. Now, this is where most people stop. They say, oh, it's all astrotheology. No, it isn't. This is a, something to get you to understand the esoteric aspects of it. You know, light has died from the world, and it needs to be reborn again if we are to have life that is in any way, you know, something that resembles something that we want to experience. And believe me, we're not only at the winter solstice uh, today, folks, we're at the winter solstice when it comes to this grand cycle. We are at a spiritual death. The light of the world has died it's as low as it's going to go. We are trapped in materialism. We are trapped in ego-bound consciousness as a species. And the light, the sun, the light of the world, the truth, the way, needs to be reborn. Okay? Now that's what the esoteric meaning of Christ mass is about Christ consciousness being reborn into the world okay so this happens three days after the death of the sun the winter solstice 20, December 22nd three days later December 25th Christ's birthday the sun's birthday it is now moving back toward the northern hemisphere it has been born again from its death point. It is re now resurrecting back up toward the northern hemisphere. This is the winter season. The sun progresses through Capricorn and then through Aquarius, the water bringer. This is the midwinter season when you're starting to hit, um, you know, February and March. So this is, uh, or I should say February. Yeah. So, you know, the, the winter season uh, brings some thaws with it. The water bringer represents the thawing of the ice as we're moving past midwinter toward the spring equinox as we get toward Pisces, okay? So it moves through Aquarius, the water bringer, and then through Pisces. Now, the midpoint of Aquarius is another Sabbath, okay? This is um, Candlemas, or what it was known in the, uh, um, the um, I'm trying to think, uh, uh, the Druidic tradition, I believe, as Imbolc, Okay, I-M-B-O-L-C, in bulk. So, Candlemas or in bulk, uh, this is February 2nd. February 2nd. The midpoint of Aquarius, also the midpoint of the winter season. So, that gives us our four main Sabbaths, which are the midpoints of the year. They form 
this cross, which is Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius, the bull, the lion, the eagle, which is Scorpio, which uh, the eagle is another constellation that is in the area of the sky as Scorpio called Aquila, which is the eagle, um, and the man, or Aquarius, or some people call that the angel. So you've heard the, the lion, uh, the man, the bull, and the, uh, the eagle. Okay, uh, These are the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the angels of the corners, the four archangels. Okay, But the, this represents what's called the great cross or the galactic cross, the cross of the galactic alignment, which is formed by these four midpoints of the seasons. Okay, So the, 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 uh, the um, equal armed cross that we started off with representing the, the solstices and equinoxes is the solar cross, and then the galactic cross is the four midpoints. And the four uh, uh, solar cult holidays that we talked about were Valpurgisnacht or Beltane, which is the midpoint of spring, the uh, Lamas Day or mid midsummer, which is the midpoint of summer, um, Hollow Mass or Soen, which is the midpoint of autumn, and uh, Candle Mass or Imbolc, which is the midpoint of winter. Okay? Just wanted to get that out of the way before we wrap up our story of the now resurrection of the sun because when we now enter the, uh, the midpoint um, between Pisces and Aries, which would begin the process all over again the following year, okay, we hit the spring equinox, which is where we began. Okay, and now the sun is on its way up again into spring from the southern hemisphere, its tomb, okay, where it was dead, Okay, for the six months of the dark season from Libra to Pisces, it was in its tomb. But specifically, it it began dying during the first three um, constellations, Libra, Scorpio, and Sagittarius. So the point when the sun is hung upon the cross at the autumn equinox, follow me here, okay, bear with me and follow me. If you're looking at the image, it makes it much easier. The autumn equinox, the sun was put upon the cross. It died upon the cross at the winter solstice. Okay? Three zodiacal houses passed during that transition from when it is put on the cross to when it dies. So these are symbolically hours. Okay? The houses symbolically represent hours. Jesus is said to have hung upon the cross for three hours before he expired. Okay? When he is now dead on the cross, that is the winter solstice. The sun had died upon this cross of the zodiac at the winter solstice. If we count Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces, we see that now three days, now here they're symbolically in this lower left quadrant of the zodiac, they're symbolically representing days now, okay, that from the time when the sun is dead to the time when it has arisen from the southern hemisphere, its tomb, okay, after it had died until the point where it rises again, which is the spring equinox. The spring equinox happens around March 19th, March 21st, I should say, around March 19th, 20th, something like that, okay? So, 
we now see symbolically the houses of the zodiac in this story representing hours of the day that Jesus or the sun hangs upon the cross before he dies and it also represents days from the time he dies to the time he rises into the northern hemisphere from his tomb he emerges from his tomb which is called the this lower uh, this lower um, arc the lower arch that is made by the six seasons of the non-favored or dark time of the year until he rises into the the favored season of the year for the northern hemisphere which is the top of this uh, uh, sectioned um, wheel okay from equinox to equinox we take the top half and that's the time when the Sun is in the northern hemisphere now when is Easter celebrated the resurrection of the Sun well again this is all, all has to do with astronomy Easter is always celebrated and you can verify this on any site that will tell you how Easter is calculated the, the church is all too happy to tell people this Easter is celebrated on the first Sunday because of course it's all about the Sun that's the day of worship of Christianity the Sunday okay Easter is celebrated on the first Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox the first Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox so the spring equinox happens you find the first full moon that happens after that and then the first Sunday after the first full moon that's Easter Sunday that's how it's calculated and there's a reason for that the reason is the moon goddess which represents Isis or Mary okay Isis in the Egyptian tradition Semiramis in the Babylonian tradition okay a Diana in the uh, Roman tradition Aphrodite you can name a million names for the goddess we can go on and on just like you can name a million names for uh, the so solar Sun savior hero okay but essentially um, Mary the moon goddess as we talked about last week and uh, somewhere in these sets of images there are images of Mary in her dark cloak because she represents the night sky she is the goddess of the night she is the goddess of the moon you'll see her standing with a crescent moon um, she has a dark cloak with uh, stars all over it and giving birth to the child Jesus or Horus however you want to look at it um, the moon which is the representation of this goddess has to become full or impregnated in other words it is, it is in its fullness before it actually gives birth to the child that she bears into the world which is the Sun because the night sky bears the Sun into the world each day at dawn on the horizon the Horus zone I mean this is so once you understand this it, it's so obvious it, the, the solar symbolism is everywhere in Christianity you go to any church it is unbelievable how much solar symbolism is, is is embedded in it I mean the host itself has an equal armed cross on it the, the priest wears equal armed crosses on his, on his uh, uh, garments you know the cross itself is the symbol of Christianity the cross of the zodiac with the Sun hanging upon the cross the ancients looked at the Sun as God's Sun 
you know, that doesn't belong to anybody on the earth. It's, it belongs to God. And it gives us life. And if it doesn't resurrect, we don't live. So the sun needs to rise again in order to give us life. And, you know, this is just a, uh, an allegory, but if, if you know, people believe in this seriously and take it seriously and kill each other over it, that's how brainwashed and hypnotized they are. But if we really analyze this and look at it, there's a deeper tradition that underlies all of this. And that's the story of the actual importance of light, the actual importance of knowledge, the actual importance of willpower, and living according to the golden rule, all the things that are attributed in the words that, that the, the, the so-called um, Messiah, Jesus, spoke. Not, not the story about him, but the actual words and living according to those teachings, which is easier said than done. Are you still paying your credit cards and so-called bank loans thinking that you owe the money? Do you feel like it's your moral obligation, but can't see an end in sight? Well, what if I told you that in truth, you don't know a single penny, and that the banks know this and hope you don't find out? Here's where we come in. Free2Prosper.com specializes in a profound debt repudiation method, which challenges the validity of your so-called debts, morally frees you from the burdens, and protects your property. Our system is often superior to settlement, bankruptcy, or consolidation, which often leads to in a worse situation. If you feel the moral obligation to take care of yourself and your family, then I urge you to consider taking action right now. The economy will not wait. If you want to know more so you can prosper through the economic collapse, all while staying honorable and true to yourself, then call 877-417-8393. That's 877-417-8393. Or visit free2prosper.com right now. Hey, it's me, Shepard, the host of the Intel Hub. Check out my live show every Sunday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can check it out from my website, theintelhubradio.com. Join me, Joe Joseph, John King, and A.C. Griffith, Thursdays and Sunday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern for Freedom Link Radio on the Intel Hub News Network. A very wealthy U.S. citizen is predicting that in 2011, we will witness the most important day in America in more than 50 years. He says it will change everything about our lives, the way you shop, travel, invest, educate your children, and even how you take care of your health and family. Now this man has made some outrageous predictions over the years, but the crazy part is he's usually right. You see, he predicted the collapse of GM, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and America's biggest mall owner, General Growth Properties, a few years ago. In fact, Baronis called his work a dire prophecy. 
Now, this has nothing to do with the stock market, but it could have a huge impact on almost every aspect of your life. And recently, he created a video, which you can watch online for free, detailing his biggest and most important prediction yet. And it's a real eye-opener. I can't stress this enough. You should at least watch this free video online today. He explains everything you need to know, including simple steps you can take to protect yourself. You can find the video at www.endofamerica8.com. Although this video may be offensive to some audiences, it's worth checking out. Again, that's www.endofamerica8.com. Watch this free video at www.endofamerica8.com. You are listening to the Intel Hub News Network, crushing the new world order piece by piece. Okay, we're back. Uh, When we left, I was talking about the importance of really embodying the real underlying uh, esoteric teachings as opposed to focusing on the the, uh, exoteric cover story that we're given, you know, the the religion that is peddled to the masses to control them. But even going past the, uh, you know, astrotheological understanding, you know, not stopping there and saying, oh, I know it's all astrotheology, understanding that the astrotheology tells a, a, a mystical story underneath that is about, you know, our journey in life. We're born into the world, and then we, you know, our light gets put out, basically, by all the mind control and conditioning, and it's up to us to use our will and our uh, conscience to really um, bear ourselves back into the world, you know, a second birth, uh, you know, being born again, being resurrected from that mind-controlled condition to be a light in the world that can act as uh, a way to help people to understand the, the way to live so that we can have life of any sufficient quality here on the earth. So it's a very powerful mystical allegory once you really understand what it's really saying on a deeper level. Not to get trapped even in the astrotheology of it, which is what, you know, other people are even getting trapped at a deeper level. They're taking the astrotheology, literally. And believing in that and patterning a religion that they actually believe in in a serious way on that lie, you know? I mean, yeah, it is the story of the sun, but, you know, people stop there and say, oh, well, that means it's all bunk and it's all nonsense. Well, no. The the astrotheology story is put there to not have you look into the deeper tradition because the dominators don't want you acting like the Christ would have acted had he been here today. They want anything but that. They don't want Christ-consciousness inhabiting the people of this planet. That's the last thing they want. You won't be able to control people if that were the case. But continue to continue with uh, this uh, 
you know, explanation of astrotheology. Um, I want to read a section of a book that um, talks about how this is uh, extremely similar to so many other gods of the ancient world, the story that we see in the New Testament. So this is um, from a book called The Biggest Secret by David Icke. He says, okay, a little quiz. Who am I talking about? He was born to a virgin by immaculate conception through the intervention of the Holy Spirit. This fulfilled an ancient prophecy. When he was born, the ruling tyrant wanted to kill him. His parents had to flee to safety. All male children under the age of two were slain by the ruler as he sought to kill the child. Angels and shepherds were at his birth, and he was given gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. He was worshipped as the savior of men and led a moral and humble life. He performed miracles which included healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, casting out devils, and raising the dead. He was put to death on the cross between two thieves. He descended into hell and rose from the dead to ascend back to heaven. Sounds exactly like Jesus, doesn't it? But it's not. That is how they describe the Eastern Savior known as Virishna, 1,200 years before Jesus is claimed to have been born. If you wanted a Savior God who died so our sins could be forgiven, take your pick from the ancient world because there are a stream of them, all originating with the Aryan race that came out of the Near East and the Caucasus Mountains. So he, he lists a bunch of them. Here are just some of the sun god, son of God heroes who play the lead role in stories which mirror those attributed to Jesus and almost all were worshipped long before Jesus was, was even heard of. And he gives a full list of them. I have my own list that I've compiled here through some of my research, and I'll read that list off. Now, this may take a little while, but I think it will emphasize a point. Here is a list of ancient sun-savior gods, all who are attributed with the qualities that Jesus is attributed with, has 12 helpers, is called the Son of God, uh, dies upon a cross often, is resurrected three days later, is born of a virgin, has miraculous powers, Okay, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just about every detail of the story down the line is virtually identical, if not differs in small ways. Adad, Adonis, Alcides, Amon-Ra, Attis, Baal, Bali, Bedru, Bremrila, Buddha-Sakya, Cadmus, Crete, Devatat, Dionysus, Eros, Theta, Fohi, Gentau, Hesus, Hill, Horus, Ishi, Indra, Ishion, Jao, Krishna, Mikado, Mithra, Odin, Horus, Osiris, Prometheus, Quetzalcoatl, Sali, Taut, Tammuz, Thor, Tien, Witoba, 
Shamoxis, Zul, Zoar, and Zoroaster. Now, that's over 40 gods, all of which predate Christianity. Every one of those gods was worshipped in B.C. times. Not one of them post-dates. I, I should say uh, one or two of them does. That's not true. One or two of them does. I believe Quetzalcoatl is not um, B.C. That's um, Aztec. So that is uh, A.D., but it's the same story retold. But just about every one of those predates Christianity. Now, if that's not enough for you, I mean, I don't really know what to tell you. I would highly recommend going up to my site and looking at some of the books that I uploaded. I uploaded a ton of related documents over the last two weeks, and uh, that reading will keep you busy for a while. And it's done by scholars who would probably be able to describe this better than I can. Okay? But I did my best there to tell you that story of the, the zodiacal path of the sun, how it relates to Christianity, and uh, there's a lot of further research that you can do on astrotheology as related to Christianity posted in my podcast section, uh, particularly on shows 37 and 38. Some of the documents I posted were Stellar Theology and Masonic Astronomy, Astrotheology and Sidereal Astronomy, Occult Theocracy, Symbols, Sex, and the Stars, The Christ Conspiracy, The Jesus Mysteries, A Comparative List of Pre-Existing Data, Christianized in the New Testament, The Parallels Between Jesus and Horus, Sun Gods, and The Zeitgeist Companion Guide. So, a ton of reading up there. There's a ton of videos up there. Um, I posted Jordan Maxwell on astrotheology, Michael Tessarion on astrotheology, Manly P. Hall on astrotheology, the video Zeitgeist, which is uh, pretty popular for having discussed part of this story. As I said, I don't feel it goes far enough in helping people to understand the underlying mystical uh, tradition that has to do with you, that has to do with yourself, and you becoming a light in the world you know, to uh, help resurrect this planet out of its darkness. But, um, you know, uh, I don't think that total atheism is, is the answer. I, I, you know, I believe that there is a creative force in the universe. I'm comfortable with calling it God, you know, that, that underlies everything. It, it is the universal underlying intelligence that gives everything life and, and purpose so, um, you know, I'm about looking at the lies of religion and calling them for what it is and what religion has been set up in the name of to do, and that is namely to control people, you know, in the name of presenting some sort of uh, righteousness and moral path in life when you have priests who are abusing children and higher-ups in the in the church, uh, covering over their crimes, offering to pay off families, and then just moving them to other parishes that they can continue to do the same abuse to other children. You know, I don't believe in any organized religion. 
And uh, that's what this whole section is about, really talking about religion as methods of mind control and try to get people to see past the exoteric to the esoteric traditions that really underlie um, these cover stories that are given to the masses to control their minds. So um, we're way uh, past the top of the second hour. Uh, I just kind of lost track of time. Let me give the call-in numbers again, and if anybody wants to call, we can uh, take calls in uh, this hour. 724-444-7444. That's the talk shoe call-in number. Once again, 724 If you call that number, punch in the call ID, which is 83515. Call ID number for what on earth is happening is 83515. If you call the Blog Talk Network, you can call 646-727-3387. Once again, secondary call-in number, 646-727-3387. No taboo topics. Call in and talk about whatever you like. And please do avail yourself of some of the uh, great information that is posted to the podcast section. You can download these uh, documents, get these images to study uh, along with, and um, uh, that, that's what they're up there for, folks. Uh, edify yourself. Educate yourself. And, um, you know, make up your own mind about it. Don't believe me or take my word. I'm relating the research that I've done and um, the, the great work that other scholars have done. And uh, I think that you should take in as much information and then, you know, uh, make your mind up based upon uh, the totality of the information that you take in. So let's, um, let's look at uh, some other aspects of this, okay? Um, look at da Vinci, how he painted um, the, the Last Supper, okay? I'll post this image with the uh, podcast this week. If you look at the image of the Last Supper, Leonardo da Vinci understood astrotheology clearly. But he also embedded in it, now what I call this, I talk about this a little bit in my presentation series, and I talk about um, the real Da Vinci Code. And one of the greatest examples of this is the image of the Last Supper. It's, uh, I think, one of the greatest historical paintings ever painted, and the, the, uh, the wisdom that lies in it is just phenomenal. Because Jesus is seated at the middle of the table, and he has his 12 apostles or helpers around him. Okay, So these, of course, represent the 12 houses of the zodiac through which the sun makes its uh, annual trek in the sky. Jesus, of course, represents the sun. Okay, And the 12 apostles represent the 12 houses of the zodiac. But specifically, they're broken into four groups. Each one of these groups of three... Okay, there's four groups of three apostles. They represent the seasons. Okay, all the way at the left-hand side, the group of three would represent the winter season. You see it has a dark half of the room and a light half of the room. Again, depicting that split down the middle of the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere. Okay, the light uh, side represents the northern hemisphere. The dark side represents the southern hemisphere. These two major seasons that I was talking about. Okay, you have six apostles in one. That represents the lower portion of that zodiac wheel on the left-hand side. 
okay, with the bottom being winter, the lowest point of light, and then with the, the, the other uh, three uh, just to the left of Jesus in the image, or in other words, seated to his right, would represent the fall season, okay? And um, to the uh, right-hand side of the image where you have the light half of the room, okay, on the right-hand side, the uh, apostles would represent um, summer all the way to the right, the highest point of the light, and just to the left of Jesus, you know, to his, his left hand, in other words, on your right as you're looking at the image, but if you're seated as him on his left side, uh, would be the um, spring season. And it's just absolutely phenomenal that da Vinci understood this. You know, it's just great. And he painted it in this image like this for right in the open for all to see. Because, you know, they would have killed people coming out talking about this then, but he, uh, he veiled it in a painting. And only an initiate who understood the real story would have been able to uh, see this and understand what was being painted. And um, there's something more to the story here if we go deeper than just, you know, looking at the astrotheological aspects of it. We can see that Jesus represents in this image the Savior, the light of the world, the way, the truth, and the life. And this is, you know, more than symbolic. It's telling people that inside this world, there's chaos and strife and quarreling and suffering. And, you know, it's not a good scene that's depicted. They, uh, everybody's at each other's throats, in other words. Okay? The whole thing is there to depict people not being able to get along. Everybody has a kind of negative look on their face. It's, you know, ostensibly predicting that he's saying that one of you will betray me. But there's more to it than that. Da Vinci is basically depicting the human condition in his painting here. And he is explaining to people, you know, if we look at the image, the, the only people that really, the only person that really looks tranquil in the image is Jesus himself. And behind him is a way out to the outside. That's the only place where there's an entrance into the room or an exit from the room is really how it should be seen. Should, it should be looked at. It's an exit from the room which represents the earth. Okay? Or at least from the current human condition out into a world that that kind of uh, suffering isn't happening. And that kind of quarrel and tension and strife isn't going on at. And what da Vinci is saying is that the way out is through that Christ consciousness. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you pay attention to the words that he was attributed to speaking and live that way, we'll get out of this world of you know, polarity of, uh, you know, wandering between the light and the dark, of imbalances, of uh, self-inflicted suffering. And uh, it's just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, he was uh, absolutely uh, one of the true illuminates of the world. And um, his technical skill, uh, not only unmatched, but his ability to 
put an allegory like that into your mind through an image is just unbelievable. And I marvel at it. It's, uh, you know, I think it's one of the greatest paintings ever painted. And, um, you know, he knew, he knew so much about this and, uh, you know, depicted it and painted it for, uh, for all, uh, future generations to be able to really grasp that message, uh, in symbolic imagery. So the last supper, uh, check it out, you know, and, um, really understand how deep that image really goes. There are some other things I want to talk about when it comes to uh, basic astrotheology. When we're talking about the gods, and we talked about this when we did the section on time, uh, which was a few weeks back, we talked about the days of the week being given to the gods of the sky. And these seven gods also represent qualities of the self, um, how they represent the seven chakras the energy wheels or vortexes, the vortices that are within the body and represent different, different, different upwelling of energy that comes out of uh, the glands of the bodies, of the body. And uh, we talk about these energy vortices as chakras. Um, the seven objects from Earth that can be seen in the night sky other than the stars are with the human eye observable with the human eye are the sun, Mercury, Venus, the moon, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Okay? Seven objects visible with the naked eye other than the stars and, and comets. Okay? The sun, Mercury, Venus, moon, the moon, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. These are considered the, quote, gods of the ancient world. All religions are ultimately based upon these gods. The sun, Christianity. Okay, Sunday. Mercury. Okay, that's a, a Roman god. He was Hermes in the Greek tradition. He was Thoth in the Egyptian tradition. He's the messenger of the gods. He's closest to God's son. Of course he's the messenger for the other planets. And he's the fastest planet. He has the fastest orbital um, journey around the sun. I think it completes in about 79 days, one year for Mercury. So Venus, you know, the goddess, this is a, a feminine presence in the host of gods, along with the moon. So these are the goddesses, Venus and the moon. Again, the goddess has a, a million different names. You can go on and on. Venus, Aphrodite, um, Hecate, um, Isis, Semiramis, Diana. Um, you know, there, there's just tons of them. Athena. So, Mars. That's now we're past the Earth. You know, we're toward the other side uh, orbitally. You know, this is uh, Mars orbit. Its orbit is outside the orbit of the Earth. Mars is the god of war. So this is the masculine aspect, the dominator presence. 
So the, the days of the week also. Venus is Friday. Was, uh, Vendredi is Venus is, uh, is uh, the, the French name for Friday. But um, Friday is also named after the, uh, another name of the goddess, which was Freya. Freya in the Norse tradition. Monday is the moon's day, of course. Moon day, Monday. Mars's day is Tuesday. Going backwards, Mercury, um, that's um, Wednesday. Um, you have to go to the French language to see that one. It's uh, Mercredi in French, which is Mercury's day. So Mars is Tuesday. Again, the French language, Mardi. Helps us to see that one. Jupiter is a um, Roman god. Um, in the, in the um, Norse tradition, the god Thor was associated with Jupiter. So this is Thor's day. Jupiter's day is Thor's day or Thursday. And of course, Saturn is uh, Saturday. That's pretty obvious. So we looked at that when we looked into time. But I would like to look at these as chakras of the body. See, the farther out we get from the sun, it's like the energy is slowly uh, being ratcheted downwards. So Saturn is known as the inhibitor in the ancient world. The Saturnian cult is often the most uh, law-obsessed. Black robes uh, are associated with the Saturnian cult. Uh, The dark aspect of the occult trappings with black robes um, is a, a Saturnian aspect, Saturnalian. So this is a base instinct, the desire to control. Uh, Saturn is considered the inhibitor of the planets. It's the the, uh, disciplinarian. You can look at Saturn as how it was viewed in the ancient world. It is the, um, the inhibitor or disciplinary force that when we are not acting within natural law, this is the uh, force that kind of uh, rules the day. So Saturn is a kind of negative influence and it is based in the base chakra. If we were to look at it as a chakra, this planet is a the base chakra. Okay, Moving up from there, Jupiter is considered a desire planet. This is associated with the sacrum chakra or the genital chakra. Going upward from there, you know, closer to the sun, and moving up in the chakras from the base chakra Saturn and the the um, sacrum chakra Jupiter, we have Mars. That's the solar plexus chakra. And again, Mars was associated with as the god of war. The sa- the uh, solar plexus chakra is considered guts. Okay, that's our guts. The solar plexus is right where our you know guts slash intestines. You know, we consider that the place of fortitude in the body or of courage. It's the male aspect. It's still, you know, um, the, the part that we have to unify with the higher aspects of ourselves, the higher chakras, but it's important nonetheless. Therefore, Mars is associated with the solar plexus chakra or the force of will. Moving upward, we go to the feminine chakras, which are the moon and Venus. And the moon-earth system 
is where we really, we're here to learn about care. We're here to activate the heart chakra. That's what, and then that's the position that it actually takes in the, the system of, uh, you know, um, chakras. I'll post an image that illustrates this with the podcast, and if you go back and check it out, it, uh, it will make perfect sense. And I think um, you, you'll be amazed that this is how the planets actually work and the, uh, the, um, the attributions, how well they line up with what these, uh, with what these um, chakras are attributed, uh, the qualities that they are attributed with. So the heart chakra would be the moon earth complex, the earth moon complex. A lot of uh, astronomers don't even look at the earth as a planet in and of itself. They call they call our, our system the the earth moon system, not just the earth, because the 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 moon is unlike any other object in the um, solar system, and it is just unheard of to have a moon of the size that we do, and the qualities that we do, and uh, you know. I've alluded to this briefly, you know, David Icke has a section in his new presentation where he talks about the moon possibly being artificial. This is an old idea. It's not his idea, you know. Uh, you know, he, he, he accounts it. He gives his account of this very well, but uh, there are many scholars that have talked about this, and a lot of NASA astronauts have actually said, you know, we don't understand how the moon formed, and, you know, um, some of them hint at, don't actually come out and say, or they be crucified in the scientific field that the moon may be some sort of a construct, an artificial construct. Um, this idea is kind of gaining some ground, uh, and it's an interesting one to look at. But a lot of astronomers look at the Earth-Moon system, not just the Earth itself as a planet. We'll pick up on that when we come back and hear the music playing. We'll be right back after these words. A very wealthy U.S. citizen is predicting that in 2011, we will witness the most important day in America in more than 50 years. He says it will change everything about our lives, the way you shop, travel, invest, educate your children, and even how you take care of your health and family. Now this man has made some outrageous predictions over the years, but the crazy part is he's usually right. You see, he predicted the collapse of GM, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and America's biggest mall owner, General Growth Properties, a few years ago. In fact, Baronis called his work a dire prophecy. Now, this has nothing to do with the stock market, but it could have a huge impact on almost every aspect of your life. And recently, he created a video, which you can watch online for free, detailing his biggest and most important prediction yet. And it's a real eye-opener. I can't stress this enough. You should at least watch this free video online today. He explains everything you need to know, including simple steps you can take to protect yourself. You can find the video at www.endofamerica8. Dot com. Although this video may be offensive to some audiences, it's worth checking out. Again, that's www.endofamerica8.com. Watch this free video at www.endofamerica8.com. Are you still paying your credit cards and so-called bank loans thinking that you owe the money? Do you feel like it's your moral obligation but can't see an end in sight? 
Well, what if I told you that in truth, you don't know a single penny, and that the banks know this and hope you don't find out? Here's where we come in. Read2Prosper.com specializes in a profound debt repudiation method, which challenges the validity of your so-called debts, morally frees you from the burdens, and protects your property. Our system is often superior to settlement, bankruptcy, or consolidation, which often leave you in a worse situation. If you feel the moral obligation to take care of yourself and your family, then I urge you to consider taking action right now. The economy will not wait. If you want to know more so you can prosper through the economic collapse, all while staying honorable and true to yourself, then call 877-417-8393. That's 877-417-8393. Or visit freetoprosper.com right now. In a world where corrupt oppressors and all are going to seize control of the population, total tyranny is amongst us. The burden of humanity rests on our shoulders. The only way out is to expose the global crime syndicate known as the New World Order. Together, we are all one. Together, we are. In hell, soldiers. The battle for free humanity ensues. Join us in the fight. The Intel of dot com. Okay, everyone, we're back on What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Network's website, the Intel Hub News Network.com. Uh, we were talking about the planets uh, astrotheologically and how they were viewed as the gods of the ancient world and how, you know, basically our, our lives works on this uh, sevenfold process, the seven days of the week. Um, you know, how they were all attributed different qualities that lie within us. So we're like a solar system, each one of us. And the chakras of the body are kind of like the representations of the planets that are indwelling within us. So we are like a solar system, and we are indeed like a zodiac as well. The qualities that embody the zodiac are all qualities that we need to develop. Each one of the houses has different qualities if you study astrology. And these are all really indwelling qualities. So it's the principle of correspondence. If we look at the hermetic principle, uh, the hermetic tradition principles, once again, that the universe is self-similar across scales, and that the microcosm reflects the macrocosm. The macrocosm is a reflection of the microcosm. In other words, the very large is a reflection of the very small, or the universe 
you know, kind of um, is comprised of all the uh, the uh, small bits that that comprise it, of course. But even within those small bits, the entirety is contained. So that's the principle of a uh, uh, holo- holographic nature of reality. In other words, the whole is contained within the parts as well as the parts comprising the whole. Um, we were looking at the planets as chakras, and we had gotten to the Earth-Moon system, which is the heart chakra of the solar system. That's why all the activity is really happening, in, in this solar system anyway, on Earth. It represents the heart chakra of this solar system, and that's why what is taking place here is so important, and we shouldn't let it be trivialized. You hear people saying, oh, we're so, so small and so insignificant. It doesn't matter what happens here. Bunk. It absolutely matters what, what happens here. Okay? Uh, Ian Crane, uh, a really enlightened gentleman from England, he gives some phenomenal presentations on Codex Alimentarius, the BP oil spill, and other topics, the New World Order in general. And he uh, relates a quote and usually uses it at the end of his presentations. I can't quite remember who it's by, but he says, what we do in life echoes in eternity. And I wholeheartedly concur with that. What happens here does matter. I'm not telling you to get so worked up and crazy about it that, you know, you you, you worry yourself sick, but... The events that play out here have a purpose, and they do matter, and they matter in a wider scale, in a bigger scale. And what's happening here with the individuals is just a reflection of what's happening on a grander scale in the universe. I started off the show tonight saying that a lot of the people in the freedom movement, the so-called freedom movement, even people who consider themselves leaders in this movement, don't really understand the dynamic that's taking place. They don't grasp the occult. They don't understand anything about the mystical traditions. Uh, They take everything at face value. They think it's all about politics. They think it's all about nothing but money. They believe in the concept of money as something that's real and holds real value, which is mind control. Okay? They don't acknowledge or understand mind control or its methods. And ultimately, I'm going to say it right out in the open. It's because they don't know themselves. Period. The end. All knowledge worth having is self-knowledge, and that means knowledge about how the human psyche works. And they don't understand their own, their own indwelling qualities because they've never taken up studies such as these. And that's why they can never really solve the problems that they want to cry about that, that uh, they're seeing play out in their external, seemingly external reality, when it's all about being generated from within. But because they don't understand that, and they don't want to change ultimately what's within and their perception, they think this is all something that's being done to them instead of something they're creating. Okay? Causality. Causality is what it's all ultimately really about. The sixth Hermetic principle, the principle of cause and effect. Effect invariably, unwaveringly follows cause. And what the people in the freedom movement, and you know, sorry to be the bad guy. I, there has to be the bad guy, I guess, because no one else is saying this. 
I seem to be the only one saying this. I'll tell you what, I was on a show this past Friday. I advertised it. It, it, it pains my heart almost to say, I, I'm, I'm almost sad I went on the show. Because people are not talking about the real issues here, folks. They're, 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 not, they're not talking about what's really happening. They're talking about all the external components of it. Consciousness is hardly even mentioned. And the reason it's not is because people don't understand it. So-called leaders in this movement don't understand it. And, and are talking about external, 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 external solutions. How about the solution of understanding how consciousness works and then understanding how people who know how this works a thousand times better than, than the bulk of humanity does and have known this for thousands of years have used this knowledge to manipulate people into the golems that they are. How about that? How about we start doing that? And yeah, it's harsh language. I'm not here to be friends with people. That's why this show isn't so, so tremendously popular. It's not a, 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 a friendly tone or an inviting, um, you know, non-threatening tone. We're at war. There's a war in consciousness going on, and it's about your soul. That, that's what's really going on here, folks. People don't want to accept that. They don't want to believe it because they don't want to acknowledge where they are. They don't want to acknowledge the deep, dark depths to which we've come. Truly. Oh, they want to skirt the issue and talk about it peripherally. You know, monetary issues and political reforms and all of that. But get down to the core issues of the human psyche and what drives causality in the world and why we experience what we experience and why we experience the suffering that we do. Oh, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that. Mind control... What the occult? I don't want to hear any natural law. What? Get out of here with that. Take off. As long as we abide in partial darkness, we will continue to be conquered. A gentleman I've never met made that statement. By, he goes by the name of Aquinas, I guess named after Thomas Aquinas, I'm not sure, but I'll tell you what, those are words of wisdom if I ever heard them. And this, this person who wrote this essay on liberty, I'd love to meet him. If anybody knows who he is, please direct him my way. I'd, lo I'd love to speak with him because his knowledge is extensive from that short essay. Anyone who... Uh, truly understands the dynamic going on, will recognize the wisdom in his words. So I'll just throw that out there if anybody uh, you know, knows who he is. Hey, we got a few minutes left. I see we have a couple callers. Here we go. Caller, you're on What on Earth is Happening. What do you have for us? Mark, good evening. It's Bob. Am I coming in? I know I've been poor the last few broadcasts. Bob, you sound great, man. Thanks for calling, man. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Oh, always a pleasure to call in. Hey, Mark, uh, uh, it may be foreboding to a lot of people, but I, I really love your show. And I know Mark doesn't make a penny off this. This is all his, his uh, need to share truth. It's not for us. It's, it's uh, packed or, uh, you know, what he feels he has to do this lifetime. And, and, Mark, there are those of us out here, I feel bad because I feel like I'm benefiting from some kind of 
travail you have to go through, but, but uh, inadvertently I am benefiting, and a lot of us are listening to you. A um, couple things. Artificial moon as a, as a concept, yes. Gaining a lot of ground. Uh, even, and I know I'm a guy of films. I'm, I'm, I'm on the sleeve. But even the movies over the last 10, 15, 20 years, all the way back to the early movies, uh, talk about this artificial moon. That's no moon. It's a space station. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, yep, right. Yep. Hinting, so, hinting at it. Yeah, yeah. You want, it makes yes. you wonder what Lucas really knew, you know? That, that's true, and that's just on the, on the Star Wars level of it, and you know, we, we hit that ad nauseum, I won't bore the people. Uh, but uh, point number two, um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, point number one, Moon again, but that, that, uh, the author that wrote the most recent book besides David Icke uh, was uh, somebody named, uh, I want to call him Christopher Knight or Robert Christopher Knight or something, but the, it's mm-hmm. all very Templar sounding, and I don't trust it in my gut. I don't have any backing for it, and I think if I dug, I would find that this is a, a Freemasonic cover to divert people from knowing, because somehow, and this is really going out on the limb, Mark, and I apologize, but I feel somehow, some way, they're able to use algorithms to get a feeling, almost like this WebBot project, they get a feeling for what people, the, the avenues of truth will lead to, and they preempt it through their, their, their mass media programming or pre-programming, right. and this moon thing is part of it. So there is truth to this artificial moon. However, it is different from what they are trying to uh, cul-de-sac uh, us into before our gold mine. And, uh, but I'd, I'll like, let other- I'd, like to recommend, I'd like to recommend a book for people to check out that contains the, the general concept within it. It's not the main focus of the book, but it's an excellent book nonetheless it's called gods of air and darkness by richard mooney of all names his name is mooney m-o-o-n-e-y and he puts out a lot of great questions in this book he doesn't answer too many of them he postulates a whole lot of questions in the book it's kind of written in eric von donneken style like you know could this have been you know line of questioning about the ancient uh, origins of our solar system and it's a fascinating book and it's from the 1970s so it's written quite a while ago richard mooney gods of air and darkness maybe i'll post the link to it uh in the podcast section we have uh, a minute and a half left bob go, go ahead bring up your second point I, I is there another caller on hold uh yeah there is uh, if you want to uh, uh let me take that i could do that if, if you want to wrap you, it up Mark. it's up to you good night sir uh, thank you you got it, Bob. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Caller from Southeast Pennsylvania, you're on What on Earth is Happening? Hey, Mark. It's, it's Eric here in uh, Doylestown. Eric, how are you, man? We got about a little little over a minute and a half. You can take us out, man. What do you have for us? All right. Well, Bob, Bob from Cincinnati is absolutely brilliant. I think you need to have him on as a guest, give him the whole show. But I'd um, love to. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, and then I could call in, too. And... uh. I was thinking about the whole mind control thing and, like, how, like, you know, I was when I was watching football, I was thinking, like, how the New World Order is like a league. And then, you know, in a league, you have different teams, you have different divisions, and, you know, like, what, and they call it a club, like a ball club, like the New York Patriots, uh, New England Patriots is a ball club. So, like, the New York Post would be one of their clubs as part of the league, you know what I mean? And the school system would be another club, and it's yeah. all these different... This this whole institution of mind control because I know a lot of people that go to colleges and everything, and they're not stupid people, but they've just been in this whole thing so long they don't 
I mean, it, it, you get it on television, you get it from your friends and your family, you get it from school, you get it from work, and you just become this institution. And that's that's what's happening with people. When you try to get them out of it, they, they get very uncomfortable and they, they, any, they don't want to talk about anything fearful. Like, forget about talking about FEMA camps or how the vaccines are killing you, you know. To look at all those different aspects as different positions on that team that all work toward the same goal, you know. They're all they're all working toward to advance the agenda, you know. Like one's a linebacker, one one's a quarterback, etc. And they're all looking to to you know advance down the field and uh, and uh, you know uh, uh, put their agenda into effect. Different players on that same team with the, the same mind. Yeah, basically. It, it, and, and to use that analogy, ultimately the NFL is the one winning. You know, it's not the New England Patriots winning or the Eagles you winning. It's, it. it's ultimately right. the NFL. Yep. yep. Well, well, I thank Eric, you, Mark. We're at, the, we're, we're at the end of the show, my friend. I thank you for calling, and that's all we have time for t- tonight on What on Earth is Happening. Everybody, thanks for listening. I'll see you guys next week, next Tuesday night. I'm Mark Passio. You've been listening to What on Earth is Happening. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone.